Hello, James. Hello, Jack. I have something special in store for us today. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> yeah, we we're going to take a look at a hand um, played by what some might consider to be like a, a less refined version of um, a co-host. <laughs> Yes, re refined. I think I know who you might be talking about. And refined would not be the first word that comes to mind to describe that person. But sometimes being refined is overrated. Sometimes it's very appropriate. Yeah. And we'll see how refined this this person's play was uh, in whatever situation we're about to get into. So I assume yeah. this is. This is former co-host of Just Hand, Zach Resnick. Uh, and if it's a hand history you've got, it's probably from Poker Unicorns, the, uh, the show that Zach just launched from Texas Card House in Austin that features top tech and investing professionals playing some cards together, talking about business, uh, where the game, the stream is focused both on the business conversations as well as the poker. Is that a good description of it? Yeah, that was a that was a pretty accurate guess. I think guess would be a bit of an overstatement, <laughs> but I don't know what the hand is. I might have seen it. I watched some of the stream. Uh, I think I'm actually going to get to play in the stream in a few weeks. Um, it's not a game for professionals, so, but I'm going to be wearing my tech entrepreneur hat, which I've been wearing very frequently these days. And so hopefully, hopefully I'll represent us and the brand well in what, what I can only imagine will be a relatively juicy game. Yeah. Don't, don't make too many tech entrepreneur plays while you're out there. Maybe maybe some tech entrepreneur opens might be in order though. I mean, I was thinking about adopting kind of a freemium model, you know, uh, just lose a lot in the first episode so that they'll come back and spend more later. I think that's how it's done. Okay. Um, yeah, you might. It's easy to overestimate uh, potential gains from the freemium model in poker, but. Uh, you know, you know what you're doing, so. Well, I need to establish a, you know, the right <laughs> customer acquisition cost metrics first. Uh -huh. just, you know, I have, a, I have a good sense of my lifetime customer value. Okay, you, you got an accurate model. Yeah, I've got all, I've got all the metrics down, man. Okay. No, don't you worry. All right. This is, a, this is about as sound of a business decision as one can make. <laughs> Speaking so, of decisions, yeah, let's let's learn let's, what our refined former co-hosts, or sorry, not so refined former co-hosts, opted to uh, employ in this unique poker situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's we'll take it from Zach's perspective and keep the villain's hand a secret. So, the other player in this hand is Chris, who we actually spoke about on our recent episode with Tommy Angelo. Do you remember Chris? I remember Chris, but you might want to give the users some, not the users, <laughs> I really am thinking. <laughs> yeah, why don't you give our users a description of, we, yeah. we, don't want, we don't want the funnel to, we don't want to funnel away too many users without giving a good uh, experience with the villain descriptions as, as they say. Yeah, so uh, Tommy actually informed us that Chris was a big online winner before Black Friday, but this hand comes a bit earlier from the hand we spoke about later, but the other hand we spoke about, Chris raised ace-king and then uh, bet twice and made what we decided was a pretty good call on a scary river card after checking the river and uh, calling the all-in over bet. 
Yeah, I know Chris and Zach have a relationship, so I'm sure Zach's well aware of Chris's uh, poker intelligence, probably more so than Chris is aware of Zach's poker intelligence. Uh, that's that's interesting. Um, prior to this hand, we did see Zach five bet ace 10 all in and get called. And uh, he, I guess, fortunately ended up winning the hand against ace king in an unlikely turn of events. But um, I'm that that would be a hand that I think Chris might take note of. So he might see Zach as a little bit um, or <laughs> a lot aggressive. Yeah, Zach tends to be fairly aggressive pre-flop, especially. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that that will occur here as well. So we have um, the game is five five, and I don't believe there's any straddle in this hand. Um, it folds to Chris, who's on the button, who opens to thirty, and. Zach is in the first blind with king 10 offsuit. You said there is a straddle. Uh, I believe there's no straddle this hand. So 30 was just um, a big... No, mm -hmm. I'm wrong. There is a straddle. There is okay, a that's, straddle. Sounds, that's right. Yeah. I think I would just fold. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's reasonable, but you know, you're you're hosting this game with other tech entrepreneurs. Um I think you got to try and play some some extra hands at some point. Maybe this isn't one of the positions you choose to play some of the extra hands from, but uh I think it is like, you know, important to get in there. Yeah. I think there'll probably be other spots where you know, are, do we want to get in there against the best player at the table, the one hand on orbit where we're out of position against that player with a not so great hand right after we got caught like five bet bluffing. I mean I just I think the timing is bad. I think calling is not great with two players left to act and a, a, not a very strong hand. I think the button range is, you know, King 10 is doing okay against the button range. I, I don't doubt that, but it's still not a hand that, you know, has some huge dominating factor or other potential. And I think that the button range is going to be a lot tighter with three blinds than two. So this is, like I wouldn't really, I wouldn't want to fold this hand without the straddle, but with the straddle, I'm pretty comfortable folding. Yeah, think... it's it's like uh, five more regular blinds to to play in this hand, which is not really a particularly good price at this point. Um, yeah, so Zach folds, and then there's there's no more hand. If you if you force me to choose between call and three bet, God, I hate both of them so much. <laughs> the problem is that like this is a hand that you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you if you don't, in a sense. And let me let me explain what I mean here. There are some, I, I really like normally doing what's a little bit deceptive. Um, so, you know, for example, if we, let me put it like this. I think a lot of times there's, there's value to three betting hands like queen jack suited in position 
not just because you're in position and you have a strong hand, but also because your opponent doesn't necessarily expect you to have queen jack suited. And so there's, there's a deceptive factor to it. When you're in the small blind, you're, you're going to get ranged in a situation like this, I think fairly in a way that's kind of disadvantageous to you, whether you three of it or call holding King 10. Here's what I mean. If you just call, then I think your opponent will put you on a lot of hands that are like King 10. So King 10, King Jack, maybe King Queen, maybe Queen Jack, these types of hands. So that's not good. We don't want our opponent to have an accurate sense of what we have. The problem is if we three bet, then our opponent, especially of an opponent like Chris, starts to range us probably on like a more three bet heavy range. And so that three bet heavy range is probably is likely to include hands like King Tens, even if it, you know, some King Tens fold. Um, and so the, the problem with that is that like, when we call, we're assumed to have a strategy that includes more calls, and those calls will include King-10. When we three-bet, we're assumed to have a strategy that is more three-bet heavy and is likely to include hands like three King-10. So it's hard to take an action where our opponent isn't going to be sort of accurately including King-10 in the range, I think, which means that we don't really have a deceptive element either way. And so now we're just like out of position, holding a hand our opponent knows we have. Um, yeah, I've, I wanted to go back a little bit just to elaborate on like Queen Jack suited like being a great three bet um, in a lot of context in that your opponent's probably going to range you on a lot of hands with ace, like good aces and ace king and king queen. And so on those um, on boards with an ace and a king in it, um, Queen Jack will have some equity and our opponent will expect us to have, you know, something with an ace or a king. So that can be like part of how it's working to your advantage to have that kind of deception. I think I prefer call to uh, three bet here. And part of that is because it hasn't been a super uh, three bet heavy game, so uh, I don't I don't expect to have to fold too much to uh, three bets from the second blind in the straddle. However, yeah, it it may be a minus EV call. I'm going to disagree, actually. I think if, if I have to choose between call and three-bet, I, I would rather three-bet. Mm -hmm. Because I still think that it's just a much clearer path to victory for us out of position against Chris, who's going to play with like relatively appropriate amount of aggression and defense. And you know, so I don't know if King-10 has enough, enough qualities, desirable qualities to like let you win consistently. But I think that our, our path to victory through just winning preflop and winning through C-bets on advantageous boards, it, yeah. it's a path. It's, it's very understandable where I think when we call, we're, we're in multi-way situations frequently with a hand that really doesn't, I think, benefit from being multi-way. Yeah. Um, just a, another factor I wanted to mention is I think Chris is hardly ever folding. So, like, yeah, I think King Jack gets called a lot. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe he calls with, like, some Jack-10 and Queen-10 that we dominate, but um, I just, yeah, I just don't see the three bet working pre-flop too much. Um, I think that gives us like, that's not the end of the world though, to me, mm -hmm. if, 
if we expect to be defended extremely frequently and we size up, then I think our our C bet will make a lot of money. I would be more concerned if I thought Chris was just going to fold like some of the worst hands in his range and show up with a range that was fairly equity defense and hard to win with C bets and continuations. Alrighty. Um, well, uh, perhaps Zach and you have a similar poker philosophy um, because he ends up going for a three bet to 115. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just make it 125. Yeah. Yeah. I think a little bigger sizing could make sense. Um, maybe get some more folds uh, in the margins if it feels a little bit larger. But um, yeah, Chris and Chris elects to call, as people may have guessed. And we get a flop of 6 5 deuce. Rainbow. This flop is definitely not as good for us as similar situations where we can expect Chris to be a little bit tighter. I think if Chris opens the cutoff, and then we have this sequence, and this is a really advantageous flop for us. But I think the there's going to be more five sixes, and especially like sevens, eights, nine sevens, nine eights, and Chris's range as played, which it's harder for Zach to have those hands, which means that the board can get a little bit ugly for us, which, which also means that Chris can do more floating. I still think that a big C bet probably makes the most sense here. Not like a huge C-bet, but a reasonably sized C-bet is our best pass to victory because I think there are still a lot of hands that don't defend. The other option would just be to give up, which I don't think is awful. Um, you know, definitely I'd rather have cards which block some of the straights and we definitely block a lot of the folds with a hand like king 10 and so it really kind of comes down to how sticky is chris going to be on a board like this where it, it is still very advantageous for zach's range but chris has some ammunition to fight like is he just going to Float very, is going to float much ace high, king high, queen high. Is he going to float like the 10 nines of the world? 10 eights? Yeah, I think with a backdoor, he would float those hands. Is it two tone or rainbow? Rainbow. Yeah. I would see bet. I think I think half pot is good. I wouldn't want to go too much smaller. Mm -hmm. I think bigger is also appropriate. Yeah, I. I just think I, I'm bigger. concerned about like our. We're just. I feel like we're going to be so weighted towards air here. Um. And I think Chris is like a good enough player to kind of suss that out. Um, it like, you do have to dig a little bit to find floats here, but I could see like Chris floating like with ace, ace nine suited here. Like, um, I, yeah, I think he's going to be able to find a sufficient number of calls and suss out that this is this is just a spot like 
Like if we have all these offsuit broadways that are playing this way, um, and then we see bet all of them, we're just so heavily weighted towards bluffs. And yeah, I think it can work against a lot of opponents who like, okay, I didn't connect with this board at all. Um, I'm just not going to think too hard and fold, but uh, I think here we need a little bit more precision. Yeah, I, me recommending c-betting with king-10 is not a recommendation to always c-bet. Um, I do think that we have more incentive to c-bet with a hand like, let's say jack-10 is like a Jack 10, 10, 9, these are have a really strong incentive to see bets because a lot of the folds are dominating. Mm -hmm. And King 10 has pretty high incentive uh, with that within that framework. Whereas Ace King so like, would have, you're saying like King Jack and King Queen get folded. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's not, it wouldn't be so surprising for hands like King Jack, yeah, King Jack, King Queen. Even ace ten. Even I mean ace king, just like it probably don't it doesn't have ace king. Yeah. But yeah, I think it makes the king a lot more valuable for us on the turn if we see that. Ten slightly more valuable. Again, I I definitely am. I'm open to giving up here. Mm-hmm. Or not, we don't have to literally give up. I'm open to checking. Yeah, yeah. And I like. I think we both agree that like small size is kind of bad because we're like we're asking to get floated more, and like maybe king queen calls like facing one third or one quarter. Yeah, I so... think it's a bad. It's not the board where I want to say to my opponent, "Hey, I'm c betting everything." Mm -hmm. It's a board where I want to say, "Hey." This is an advantageous flop for me. I have better value than you have. And, you know, which which might even be a bit of a stretch depending on how deep they are, but let's assume they're not so deep that I think that that is the case. Oh, did I mention it? They're, they're uh, 2.1K effective. So there's, um, SPR is a little under 10, I guess. Yeah. It definitely uh -huh. reduces our advantage to be that deep on this board. Mm -hmm. which, I, which should result in us seedbedding less. Yeah, and I think these are kind of the spots that get seedbed too much because it's like how else how else do you win the hand? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. It's hard it's to like something. give up here when like there is you know a, a reasonable chance you you get enough folds here with this event. Yeah, I think. I mean, this is this has been a theme. A theme for me, which is that sometimes you just have a hand that your opponent's going to play well against, kind of no matter what you do. Which is to say that this might be a spot that gets C bet too much. Chris knows this, which means that he's going to employ a strategy that really punishes sort of like very low equity C bets. And the problem with that is that we can't really see that profitably if he's doing that. But also if we check, it's it's not gonna be like magically perceived that now we have like value and that we can like delay yeah. seeing. Yeah. Um so the the hand you want to have here is just aces and you get you'll get paid more than you should because there's gonna be too many, too many floats, too much aggression from Chris. And so it, his strategy encountering the fact that people see that too much here would, if he's doing that, just hurt all CBET bluffs and benefit all value CBETs. 
and, and you have to be able to recognize that in the moment and just accept it. So if, mm-hmm. you, if you think Chris is going to play in that manner and you have King 10, you just have to check and probably not plan to put very much money in this pot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe on an ace or something you can, you can fire, but yeah. All right. Um, Zach elects to go 100, which I think we'd both say is a little smaller than we wanted to go. Uh, 100 into 245. And Chris calls. Would you expect Chris to be raising all his sets here? Like, what what does the call range look like versus the the raising range? I think I'm not sure how Chris will play, so mm-hmm. I don't want to say that I know. Yeah. What what would you expect like his his profile to do or or you know? I would expect mostly calls because I think I think the types of hands or if you expect your opponents playing like too bluff heavy of a strategy, then your value is not very incentivized to raise. So I I would expect raises to be fairly strategic in the sense that strategic in that they're trying to accomplish a very specific purpose, which is to say that maybe hands like pocket eights or something. Yeah. Or eight, seven. Yeah. Seven, six would be more likely to raise because they have more incentive to deny the equity of Zach's bet folds. But I think in terms of, you know, like the stronger bluff catchers, like, Ace, the ace queen type hands of the world. Um, and definitely the strong value. I would expect to see a lot of just calling. Yeah. We get, um, I, I think that I agree with that assessment. Um, we get a turn of. Before we like continue it, sure. I just want to say that this does not mean that Zach is making mistakes right now, because the and let me let me put it like this. I would qualify a flop bet planning on giving up on the turn is very likely to be a mistake, but it kind of depends on how he reads Chris in terms of if, if he has an understanding that Chris is very likely to overfold at a later point in the hand and Zach's plan is to mostly barrel to that point in the hand, then this, this sort of like flop mistake can get covered up and turned into a big win. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if your opponent floats you too much on the flop, if you're always triple barreling, but that has to be done very consciously. And it's also very high variance, which part of the reason I just like folding preflop is because I don't want to put myself in a situation where I kind of have to identify that Chris is going to overfold to three barrels and then do that when I think I could just take a much lower variance strategy of saying like, I'm perceived to be too loose, too aggressive. I'm just going to play a value heavy strategy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm giving away too much here, but um, Zach, Zach has spoken a lot about um, going for the small C-bet for the big turn barrel, which is a spot that can be overfolded. I do think, though, that that's a risky line as well against Chris because it's so common. Mm-hmm. It's such a common bluffing pattern that I would expect Chris to be aware of it. So to me, this hand probably comes down to 
the river. And we're not going to know if it was a mistake or not, but I think we're going to want to see if we see a river barrel and we see Chris like call down loose on the flop and turn and fold the river, then I think we know that there's at least a good chance that Zach had a really fantastic plan for this hand. Call my shot. I don't know <laughs> what happens here. I, I didn't see this one. Yeah, interesting prediction. Um, the turn is the two of hearts. So um, it pairs the board. So to review, flop was six, five, deuce with the rainbow with the six of hearts. And then the turn is the two of hearts. Does Zach have any hearts in his hand? Um, well, he has a lot of heart, but he doesn't have any hearts in his hand. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. No, that was good. I, I'm fine. <laughs> So, I mean, this is, speaking about this, this is a tough spot to like double, you could call it like double float in Chris's position with uh, like ace nine or uh, ace jack with no backdoor. Um, he might realize that maybe he does need to be calling with some ace high somehow um depending on zach's sizing but yeah it's yeah it's a it's kind of a blank where maybe imposition needs to to dig to find the right number of calls what do you think about that an interesting spot. I think it's better for us. I think our advantage is bigger if we turn a high card that's not an ace. It's a 10 through king. Mm -hmm. But a two is our next best card. So this is an above average turn for our range for sure. So it's not it's not inconceivable that we want to do a lot of barreling here. It makes a lot of sense. I like having a heart because when we don't have the hearts, it makes it a lot more likely that our opponent, if they did float, that they floated with hands that contain hearts. So I still don't mind giving up here. I don't hate a barrel, especially if... I mean, I think this is a it's an interesting spot to triple. Like, I really do. Um... And then we probably don't want to have a heart on the river if uh, if it doesn't if the flush doesn't come in. Yeah, yeah. It it, it turns from a marginal. It, it's there's there's some value to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're still talking a lot of combos here. Um. What kind of sizing would you suggest here? Is it too transparent to start polarizing and sizing up here or because that's what the strongest hands in our range want to do? Um, would you be... I would definitely do that. Yeah. And here's... The point isn't because I think I'm going to get a lot of folds on the turn, but it's because... I think it, it helps us tell a much better river story, which is to say that I keep saying, which is to say that today. I don't know why I'm doing that. So sorry to everyone to hear me say, which is to say like five times. I, one, I'm one sure they, now they're going to notice it every yeah. time. <laughs> Anyways. The, I think the reason that the small flop, big turn is popular, or at least part of it is that, the turn bet kind of carries this sense of certainty that like, all right, I'm going to get the folds. I can bluff on the flop on the turn. The flop bet is cheap. The turn bet gets me a lot of information. 
And then if I face a call on the turn, I'm pretty comfortable shutting down the river. And not everyone does that. You know, a lot of players are more sophisticated than that. But I think if I'm Chris, the kind of level of player that I think I can really combat effectively, and also a type of player where I think I might be putting Zach into this sort of bucket, are the players who would take that strategy of, all right, bet small on the flop, make my move on the turn with a big polarized bet, maybe even an over bet, and then expect that that player is just not going to follow through on the river. It's a lot more money. And they already feel like I folded most of my strong hands. So I would, I'd be open to an over bet here if we're planning on triple barreling. And I don't really love the double barrel in this spot. So I wouldn't, I would avoid that. Do you think that because Zach showed down the the ace ten preflop five bet all in, I I think that would encourage Chris to make some big river call downs. Uh, if you were watching that, I think if we think Chris is making big river call downs, then we shouldn't have three bet this hand. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of predicating my recommendation on hey, the three bet was reasonable. The three bet made sense. The C bet made sense. This turn bet, in the world where those make sense, this turn bet I think sets us up well for a river bluff. And in the, in the world where that's not the case, then I think it's either check raise or we made a big mistake. <laughs> not, not saying it's either the correct... Check raising is also interesting, I think. Um, because it's a much more unorthodox line that I think will come across as value. Yeah. Zach elects to bet kind of small here, 175 into 445. It doesn't look like a bluff if he's going for the sizing is something I'll say. I just think it's not a great story because it he doesn't have that many hands that are value that want to bet this kind of size. So maybe he thinks maybe he feels like he can represent a lot of lower pairs. Like uh sevens, eights, six, seven, those types of hands where he's sort of targeting high cards and getting a little protection. So I think that would be, if that's what he's sort of trying to, trying to do, that seems reasonable to me, but I, I wouldn't really choose this as a bluffing candidate with that range. Cause I think this really blocks the hands that you can get to fold for a size like that. Um, and when your opponent has like a six or something, or even like seven, eight, or nine, eight, nine, seven, it starts to look really fishy. I'm going to take a second to look at the timing of Chris's call on this, on this turn bet. I'm excited for Chris just to have like King Jack. <laughs> that would be that would be something Chris Chris does I think he takes like or he takes like five seconds and calls it's like maybe a little bit quick but not something I would read into heavily um, yeah I think a snap call or a tank call might give us some more information but yeah, I think he could have a lot of different hands with the call here. Um, yeah, I think he can still have some really strong hands that are slow playing. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they would raise here at this point. But they can also no, raise River. Yeah. He's also in position he can just, because he's going to get a chance to bet 
which really helps not raising. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think this, to me, this looks like a bluff, just like a bluff that got a little bit lost in the hand and didn't want to give up, but didn't want to risk too much money. If I'm Chris, I would be looking at this hand and saying like, this looks like a bluff. And then I would proceed, you know, according to like, what's the most profitable way to play against a bluff with my current holding. Mm -hmm. Which if you're, if you've got the nuts, it's definitely not to raise. <laughs> yeah. Give, I think uh, giving Zach some rope here could be good with the nuts. The river is the queen of hearts bringing in the backdoor flush. So I'll, I'll review one more time. The flop was six, five, deuce, rainbow with the six of hearts, turn two of hearts, river, queen of hearts. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's an over card, which is good. We don't have a heart. So Chris definitely has some like snap calls or snap all ins here and yeah i think it's also a card that we could be perceived to be bluffing quite a lot i think i like giving up if i if i got here in this line at this point um yeah i just yeah i think our line like i think the small size on the turn might be sussed out to be kind of bluffy i think we'll be perceived to be kind of bluffy because we three bet from the small blind and got this board basically yeah the queen the queen is nice because it gives us some river value with our bluffs but the more that our opponent is sort of thinking about us having queens, that correlates pretty damn strongly with having bluffs. So if we, I think it's really hard to try and bet a size to represent a queen because of that. If you're saying like, hey, I've got a queen. You're also saying like, hey, I just bluffed you a hell of a lot on the flop in the turn, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, it's, I think it's tough to get away with like a small sizing here. And then once you're like going really, I think you, you can bet really large here. If you think Chris is going to just like really respect that and think it's like a flush and then just fold a lot, but. Yeah. What do you like with like, with let's say we had pocket eights or pocket nines here. Um, what do you consider a, like a block sizing on this river? Or is it that, I mean, I don't think it's too thin because of the context of the situation where I think um, Chris will find some lighter calls. But I mean, the, the backdoor flush does get in there. I think the block is like, it's not crazy. I think especially if we, if we have like a heart in our hand. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think the other streets were a bit more interesting. Like, I, I think, like, Zach does end up giving up here, and I think it's probably good. And then, yeah, if he has, if he has the king of hearts, I think there's, there's more of a case for going for it because, yeah, there's a lot of king of heart combos that could be in Chris's range. Or 10 of heart combos. Um, if he's floating like 10, 9 of hearts, 10, 8 of hearts, which I think would call a flop and turn. Maybe, I mean, maybe some of them raise turn. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential flushes. Boats. Mm hmm. Um, 
I do think that, you know, a, a big bet here might make money. In which case, that would probably be the best thing to do. Yeah. I mean, especially, I think, if you think that Chris will be raising flush draws on the turn. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily think that, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the weaker ones. Yeah. I think the problem I have with the big bet isn't so much that I'm sure it's not going to win. It's just it's just a huge amount of variance. I just don't think... I don't think you need it. Yeah. Because like, you, know, you know you're getting snapped a lot. And so you need really high success rate with the bluff catchers to have a plus e, like a sort of modestly plus EV, very high variance line. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to have that be a minus EV, extremely high variance line. Uh, and variance is expensive, man. So yeah, I, our whole analysis has been definitely sort of Painted by our read of the situation that Chris is going to be bluff suspicious. And so if we're wrong about that, then I think pre-flop and the flop make a lot more sense. I think the turn is tough. It's a tough one to justify, in my opinion. I would have loved to see a big turn bet and a river barrel to really put Chris to the test. I think that would have been a really interesting hand. Um, and, and I, as played, I think giving up is, is best. Yeah. Chris's hand is, is a bit interesting, um, which I'll reveal now and, uh, maybe leans us. Well, I'm going to hear what you think. So Chris, uh, checks back river with six, five of clubs. So he had two pair on the flop, which was um sort of counterfeited against the over pairs on the turn yep makes sense so i i think this is a data point that um that indicates we're more likely to be right about um Chris expecting a lot of bluffs from Zach in this line. Yeah, I think it's a mod, like a very mild data point. I, mm-hmm. I would expect most players of Chris's profile, even if they didn't have a bluff heavy read, to just flat the turn in this. Sorry, flat the flop in this formation. Okay. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're quite deep, so. Um... Yeah, it's, it's not the same as having a set or something. Um, due to the fact that um, you can be counterfeit. I also just think that this is a board where, you know, in theory, players should be bluffing a lot in Zach's spot. I think players do bluff a lot in Zach's spot. And so when Chris has value, he should let Zach do a lot of bluffing. And so I, I think unless Chris thought Zach wasn't going to do enough bluffing in this spot, it wouldn't make sense for him to raise value like 6.5 on the flop at a high frequency. I mean, obviously, if you're balanced, like you're going to maybe do some low frequency crap, but like we don't, that's, that's unrealistic for this conversation. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. All righty. Good one. Yeah. Um. No real, no real punting. Not the, not the biggest pot on the stream, but. Um. Yeah, I thought it was. An interesting hand. Um, definitely difficult to navigate out of position there. All right. 
Well, I think this the Crypto Unicorns game is awesome. I'm really looking forward to playing on it. Zach chose one of the tougher uh, confrontations available to him at the table. He, he chose his seat wisely because Chris is a very good player. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone sees a, I'll put this in now, but if anyone has a particularly interesting hand they saw on the stream, um, you can uh, reach out to let us know. And her, what's what's the best email for that? Oh, we have a contact form on the website, justinpoker.com slash contact. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if there's, there's one of these hands that Zach played or one of these other um, investors played, uh, that you want us to discuss, yeah, let us know. Um, let us know the timestamp and whatnot, and uh, we'd be happy to take a look. All right. James, thank you as always for joining me. Thank you, My pleasure. the users, for tuning in, <laughs> logging on. Uh, Hopefully, yeah, we're hoping to keep up our weekly active users uh, metric. And if you are interested in seeing us keep up our personal uh, weekly active user creation, consider becoming a patron, uh, patreon.com slash just hands. And there's all sorts of goodies there, including premium podcasts and access to the Just Hands Slack room. All right. Talk to you guys next week.